this is so exciting. We're going to record. It's going to be amazing. I like your optimism, Ruth. Oh, it's, it's perfect. We're back, baby. It's going to be great. Gang's back together. Oh, How God. long has it been? It's too long. It feels like another life, if I'm honest. Well, I, I'll tighten it up a little bit. I don't want Anna to have to cut quite so much. It's my resolution for this year, is have these be one takes. Oh, not. yeah. <laughs> do you have actual New Year's resolutions? Do you, do you have, like, things that you that you really want to concentrate on this year? So I didn't do resolutions. I made a 2023 bucket list, uh, which is a little bit different. Something that I like things I want to do this year. So I've been working on a new app, personal stuff. I'm making an app. I want to build a couple of Adirondack chairs for the pool. I want to go to the Netherlands with my mom. You know, I just some things I want to do this year. That's really cool. How about you? I I started off the year knocking one off my bucket list completely by hosting a radio show, which I'm I'm absolutely loving. And I'm talking about it with everybody far too much because it's the new thing in my life. I was going to say, you can't promote your other radio show on this podcast. Oh, I absolutely can. No, but I can. Go to futureradio.co.uk. 107.8 Future Radio. (laughs) Yes. For Matt in the Morning. Your 90s radio hits. That's so good. So I'm really enjoying that. That's really good fun. Uh, That was one off the big bucket list. But more... I just, I need more calm and less Twitter. That's that's my New Year's resolution. More Mastodon. I need to read read a few read a few books, do a bit more yoga. Anna's right, though. Uh, Mastodon is, is definitely where it's at these days. Twitter is done. We're done with that. We don't do that anymore. It's like a dirty word. Yeah, it's a write-only medium for me at this point when I have to boost something, promote something, but like I am... I am deep engaging with the community on Mastodon. Nice. It's like the it's like the the Apple development community of a decade ago, and it's so fun and it feels so good. So like I'm I'm all in. Let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> oh god. How about you, Anna? I was gonna say, in exact contrast to you two and your bucket lists and all your resolutions, my resolution is to have no resolutions in 2023. <laughs> oh. Have you got a, an opposite list of the things that you just don't want to do this year? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I started that list, but it just said, you know, endless meetings with Rue. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So what do we do? What are we doing here? This is. I think we probably need to address the fact that it's our. 100th episode oh my god we, we took a break at 99.5 left everyone on a cliffhanger and and then like you know things got busy we had other things to do we were sick and you know all that kind of stuff and now we're back 100 episodes that is wild it is pretty crazy so we started the show back in 2018 that seems wild yeah like simpler times right yeah I don't, I don't know whether some of these yeah. st- statistics, Anna, that you've, you've actually measured or if you've just made them up, but um, you've put um, here, Rue has said drop it in the hair approximately 98 times. Now, is <laughs> yeah. that an edited amount or is that the ones that made it into the show? Well, that's a guesstimation based on how many episodes we've had because we've had 99 okay. episodes. So, you know, and right. he said drop it in here pretty much every episode. And you've got here that I've messed up my words on almost every episode, drump into Watch Channel Weekly and algorithm being the highlights. Mm. I, I, have a, yes. I have a radio show now, uh, which goes out sometimes live. Oh, you didn't mention you had a radio show, Matt. Futureradio.co.uk. 
<laughs> the the real problem that I have is I really do mess up a lot of my words a lot of the time. I'm making a a conscious effort to enunciate now much better. <laughs> so throughout the hundred episodes, we've also hosted security royalty on the show. Uh, we've had over fifty guests, everyone from Bruce. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Bruce. You know Bruce. He's that guy, Bruce. Come on. Everybody knows Bruce. He's great. <laughs> Please. I don't have a pop filter. I can't laugh this hard. Uh, Bruce Snyer to uh, Eva Galperin to uh, Troy Hunt and uh, Jack Reicher. Why are these names so complex? Why did you pick the hardest names to pronounce? They're really not. Where's, where's Graham? Huh? How come Graham's not here? Graham Cluley, the best, like, easiest name. Yes, well done. What a, what a fantastic list. I know, right? And there's more to come this season. We've got some amazing guests planned. Ooh. Uh, we've also run so many successful giveaways and made a fool of ourselves in almost all of the password-related games. Do you both remember what the capital of Australia is yet? It begins with a C, right? Oh, no, it's Can- Canberra. Yeah. Right? Oh, good. We've played yep. uh, six different security games to be exact. We've lost against a bot more times than anybody cares to admit in Play Your Passwords Right. And we came up with life's biggest philosophical question. Are cherries a berry? Are cherries a berry? Are cherries a berry? Mm. And we've reported on so many data breaches in Watchtower Weekly that we're kind of sick of the old phrase, we take the security of our customers very seriously and out of abundance of caution. But what has been your favourite part about kind of Recording this podcast, having a podcast. The friendships that I've made along the way, Matt. Oh. Really? Like, no, truly, like, uh, you two are wonderful, and I'm I'm so happy to have gotten to spend so much time with you. The other thing is that it turns out I, I enjoy interviewing people, and I think I'm kind of okay at it. So that's been sort of like a fun little thing to realize about myself and bring to the show so yeah that's been that's been kind of my my favorite favorite thing what about you oh i'll I'll stick with your answer that's that's much nicer (laughs) what about you anna i think we also have to mention the fans though right people that have stayed listening and obviously we've been we've had a break and people have been asking us when we've been coming back and it's nice to nice to know we're missed i still don't like fully grok that there are people that that want to listen to this show. I was show. just going to say uh, the same thing. <laughs> it's like I don't want to look at it because I don't want it to go away. So I'm just like, that's cool. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy this. We'll be here. We'll be here for as, as long as people still listen. All right. With that, let's jump into some Watchtower Weekly. Hey. Oh, we can just drop it in here. <laughs> I like what you did there. It's like we never left. <laughs> All right. So this first one, it's a touchy subject. We're going to cover it because... I think it's our diligent duty to to cover it. We are biased in this. We're biased from two factors. A little bit of a pun there. One, obviously they're a competitor. And two, we are a password manager that is also in this industry. And when there is a breach in a password manager, it is not good for any of us. It lowers the trust in the industry as a whole. So it was reported on the 22nd of December LastPass have recently announced that password hashes were included in the August 2022 breach of their cloud storage. So it was on December 22nd, LastPass posted an update to their announcements around the 2022 breach. It was noted that an unauthorized party gained access to a third-party cloud-based storage service, which LastPass uses to store archived backups of its production data. 
It's also recently been announced that Norton LifeLock accounts have also been accessed by hackers. So as data breaches to password managers like LastPass and Norton hit the news, understandably, you may be feeling a little uneasy. But the one thing that we do want to reassure you is if you are a OnePassword customer, there is nothing that you need to do and no reason for you to worry. And we thought this would be a little bit of an opportunity to give you background as to why 1Password is different. So the first thing to note is if you use 1Password, your information is safe. 1Password encrypts your vault data in a fundamentally different way than other password managers. And our dual key encryption ensures a breach of 1Password systems would actually pose no threat to sensitive information stored in your vaults. Secondly, 1Password encrypts crucial metadata to protect your privacy. In addition to the contents of your vaults, we also encrypt things like vault names and stored website URLs. Without them, someone who obtains your encrypted vault data would have no way to guess what's inside. They wouldn't know if they were cracking a vault with credit cards or cookie recipes. We also invest heavily in third-party researchers for regular assessments and offer the industry's largest bug bounty to help us discover and resolve vulnerabilities before they can affect you. There's something that I've always said to people when they ask questions about this, like ever since our introduction of OnePassword.com of like, yeah, what if people get access to it? And what I said is that we designed this system, the architecture and the security principles of OnePassword.com such that we should be able to take our customers' database that exists protected on our servers and just publish it on the web. We should be able to and have the confidence that all the data is safe. Now, we obviously never would do that, and so I almost hesitate to say it, but that's sort of the level of safety that we built into this system is that a breach is something that possibly could happen at some point. We wanted to plan for that being the case and make sure that even if that took place, the customer's data would still be safe. And it really is that secret key plus account password, those two things coming together to create a mathematically impossible to break situation. It's just not something that's going to that's gonna put people at risk. So the, the two things that you spoke about there, the first key is your account password. And this is the password you choose and the only one that you need to remember in order to access your vaults, right? So the second one, unique to one password, is called the secret key. It's a 128-bit machine-generated code that is mathematically infeasible to crack. Most password managers rely on just the first key to protect your data. The problem is that those keys are often much easier to guess because people need to remember them. So 1Password adds the unguessable secret key to then strengthen the encryption and ensure that there's no practical way for your vault data to be cracked. In daily use, you don't really need to think about the secret key because the 1Password apps take care of it for you. So you get all the security benefits of the dual key encryption while keeping the convenience of just 1Password that you need to remember to unlock all your vaults. If criminals ever did obtain a copy of your vault data, they'd need both the account password, which only you know, and the secret key, which only you have, in order to combine them and unlock your data. Without both keys, your data is effectively impossible to decrypt. Trying to crack the combined encryption scheme provided by this dual-key approach, even using every computer on Earth today, would take conservatively several times the known age of the universe. So while it seems devastating to hear about breaches to password managers like LastPass, we want to really reassure you that 1Password is different. And please, if you have any concerns or any questions, our customer service team are always on hand to help. With that one, let's talk about a mysterious cyber attack that has shuttered the Guardian's office for a month. 
A ransomware attack on The Guardian has hobbled the news organization's basic operations, shutting down everything from its office Wi-Fi to the tills in the staff canteen. The Guardian described the attack that began on the 20th of December as a serious incident which has affected our IT network and systems. The paper closed its offices, telling staff to work remotely for several days around the Christmas holiday. But in a memo to employees this week, Chief Executive Anna Bateson said that the company's offices will remain closed until at least January 23rd. The two Guardian staffers told Semaphore, the article where this is posted, and we'll link to it in the show notes, that a tiny skeleton crew continues to go into the London office. It's been a total nightmare, one Guardian employee said. The staffer told Semaphore that the print newspaper nearly did not come out for the first couple of days following the attack and remains a heavy lift. The staffer said the paper had nearly missed its payroll. There also remains a concern among at least one staffer Semaphore spoke with that some files were in the production were lost or impacted by the breach. One Guardian employee actually said that they're lucky that some of the systems don't talk to each other because all of these things were connected. A spokesperson also said the work to restore our systems fully is going on and will take some weeks. We have asked most staff members to work from home for the next three weeks to allow our technical team to focus on essential technical work. I mean, this is wild. Mm. I regularly read The Guardian. It's one of the big newspapers that I read. And I've been to the offices a couple of times as well. Beautiful offices. But everything is quite smart. How you get into the rooms, how you order things like food. It it is all like it's a brand new building at King's Cross. And it is very high tech. So this is awful. I really hope because the, The Guardian are big on privacy and big around protecting their sources and providing software assistance to do that. I really hope that this is infrastructure related and not anything to do with kind of journalist sources and information that should be encrypted. This is really something that like, and this is the, the thing that just scares me about ransomware attacks is the fact that they can just shut down, target and shut down an entire an entire organization, an entire group, like you know, whole pieces of infrastructure. It's they're devastating, devastating attacks. Just total destruction, right? Yeah. Okay, this last one. Royal Mail is hit by Russian linked ransomware attack. So another one. This is reported by the BBC. Severe disruption to Royal Mail's overseas deliveries has been caused by ransomware linked to Russian criminals. I I have witnessed this firsthand because I sent out some of the uh, internal employee awards to some of the design team and I lost two. They were custom like drilled pieces of wood, lasered, yep, wow. two gone. Whoa. So I have no idea where they've gone, but they're not in the system anymore. So the cyber attack has affected the computer systems Royal Mail uses to dispatch deliveries abroad. Royal Mail also says that the latest advice for people is not to send international letters and parcels until this has been resolved. The ransomware used in the attack is Lockbit, according to a source close to the investigation. Lockbit is thought to have very strong Russian roots, but the hacker that carried out the attack could really be anywhere. The BBC has seen a ransom note sent by the criminals to Royal Mail, which reads, Your data are stolen and encrypted. (laughs) Oh, God. The ransom demand is inspected to be in the millions, although sources close to the investigation say there are workarounds to get the system going again. As we know, ransomware attacks are a persistent threat to organisations around the world, but this situation is highly significant. As the Royal Mail is, is what is deemed critical 
national infrastructure. And, and it's just that. It's critical to the UK economy. The attack is also not just affecting one company and its customers, but the communication and businesses of, of citizens at home and abroad. You know, the design team need, need their awards. And I'm sure there is a lot more important mail that needs to go out as well. In November, a Russian-Canadian national was uh, arrested for allegedly carrying out a lockbit hack from Canada. A Royal Mail spokesperson declined to comment on whether the attack was ransomware, but repeated warnings to customers that there is no end in sight to delivery disruption. The firm is still unable to send letters and parcels overseas and says that they are working hard to fix the issue. There are also minor delays coming to post into the UK, but domestic deliveries are generally unaffected. They're probably affected by the strike, though. But I was going to say, don't forget, there's also Royal Mail post strikes. Yeah. Mix this with the fact that they're striking for sometimes weeks on end. Yeah. So at the moment. I absolutely stand with them. They are not paid enough. I had a good long talk with my postie about it the other day. This is all they need, right? I, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're hardy people, so I'm sure they'll get through it. They seem to be wearing shorts this morning when it's minus three outside. So. Oh, yeah, they love love to wear shorts in the winter. Yeah, It has said that some customers who have posted items abroad, even before the incident, might see delays or losses. A national crime agency spokesperson said that they were aware of the incident impacting Royal Mail and was working alongside the National Cyber Security Centre, which is part of the UK's cyber intelligence agency, GCHQ, to understand the impact. Do you think this is Russia coming out in support of the postage strikes? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Highly doubtable, but, you know, it would be a great plot twist. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mm, I think we just move on from that one. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us for a very special update from 1Password are Cole Hecht and Anna Poblitz from Passage. If you haven't heard already, Passage, a leader in modern authentication technology, is joining the 1Password team to help accelerate the adoption of passkeys for developers, businesses, and their customers. It is wonderful to see you both on the call today. Thank you for joining us. How are you? We are doing great. Thank you so much for inviting us. We're excited to be here. So for our listeners who may not have heard about Passage, what is it you say you do here? Sure. Passage is a way to easily implement passwordless authentication web and mobile apps. Before Passage, Anna and I spent a lot of time in cybersecurity and specifically working with companies on user identity problems and just observed so many issues with password-based authentication and felt like there was a lot of room to move beyond it. So we got really excited about some emerging protocols like WebAuthn that made it possible for users to sign into apps and websites, not with passwords, but with things like Face ID and Touch ID and Windows Hello. And you know that technology is now commonly referred to as passkey authentication and in our eyes really represents the North Star of user identity. That is to get people authenticated in a way that is both smooth and intuitive, but also keeps their accounts secure. And so in digging into WebAuthn, we pretty quickly realized that as promising as the tech was, it was just too hard to build apps and websites with it. And so Passage specifically focuses on solving that problem and making it even easier to implement passkey authentication than traditional authentication with username and passwords. And we started doing that with the company a couple of years ago. And the team is mostly made up of product engineering people who are really passionate about the problem space and also have a deep understanding of it. Nice. So, Anna, in the last 
couple of years, we've had some 800-pound gorillas wade into this space. <laughs> what does the landscape of passwordless look like today, and what are some of the bigger shifts that you're you're seeing there? Yeah, the landscape of passwordless is really varied right now. It has a ton of momentum and hype around it, but it's also a really broad term that can mean a lot of different things. So you might be familiar with a few types of passwordless, like six-digit codes or magic links that are sent to your phone or email. They're essentially one-time passwords, which is better security than traditional passwords, but I personally find it very annoying to have to check my email, especially when I could just store my password in one password. So the newest and most exciting type of password list that Cole mentioned is WebAuthn. So it's an open standard supported by all the platforms. It's based on public key cryptography, where you have a private key stored securely on your device that you can use to log into a website. It's protected on your device using biometrics like Face ID, Touch ID, Windows Hello, or the Android fingerprint reader. It's a lot more secure and it's easy. Like who doesn't like logging into an app with your Face ID instead of a password, right? So the big question is kind of why isn't it everywhere already? And there's kind of two reasons, I think. One is that it's pretty hard to implement. And so a lot of these new companies coming out are how do you help? How do you make it easier for people to do that? And then the second is that your ability to log into a website is tied to a specific device that you own. That private key is hard-coded onto the device. So the biggest shift that I'm seeing this year is that all the major platforms, Apple, Google, Microsoft, have come together and agreed to implement passkeys. Passkeys are basically just a more portable version of WebAuthn, where you can sync your passkeys through iCloud or your Google account to other devices that you own. So this is a really big step forward for this technology. I'm really excited to get behind it. You may have also seen an exciting 1Password announcement about 1Password passkey support. There's the ability to port passkeys through 1Password as well. So there's still a lot of work on this front with passkeys and portability, but I think that's definitely a big step in the right direction. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting as as you start to get some of the bigger industry players like involved in this, it both brings like a ton of attention and a lot of forward momentum. There's also a lot of negotiation of direction that has to happen with influence like that. How have you seen the landscape around like WebAuthn in particular change with the introduction of, of some of the bigger players in the space? Yeah, I think it's all in a really positive direction. They're so many really smart people working behind this problem now and really invested in making it work, which has been really cool. Like the specification is moving really fast and people are adding all of the platforms, all the browsers are adding new features and new APIs very quickly, which is really cool. It makes companies like Passage's job much easier because everyone is kind of converging on one single implementation instead of doing a whole bunch of different stuff that we then need to coordinate. Yeah. So from the server side, then you have a pretty direct target you get to work towards and not worry that you're creating something that may not be useful or usable and that no one's ever going to see. Exactly. Like It's very clear that everyone is committed to WebAuthn being the future and being well implemented across all platforms which just gives us more reassurance that this is the right thing to be building and helping application developers do it well and providing UX for end users to understand this kind of confusing new technology. Like we get to really focus on those things and let the platforms really handle the, the client-side APIs. Nice. That's awesome. So Cole, can you talk a little bit about what it means for Passage to join 1Password and what it is that we're all going to be doing together? Well, first of all, we are incredibly excited to be joining one of the most trusted security and privacy brands in the world. What we aim to achieve together is the same as what we've both been aiming to achieve separately. 
And that is to make authentication easier and safer for everyone. Now we've approached that goal from pretty different angles to date, but we think that there's a lot of promise in joining together to pursue the goal. The Passage team will absolutely continue to focus on serving developers and building a great passkey-based authentication provider, uh, while also working with groups within 1Password on some other big, exciting initiatives to make passkey auth better and more accessible. Yeah, and I think that that's an important call-out because there's always sort of uncertainty when two companies come together in the way that we did. This isn't something where it's like, okay, and now we're going to shut all that down, but rather like you're continuing to operate much as you did prior and, and moving forward with this with the same mission that, that you always had. Yeah, it was so important to both of us, both one password and passage as we were getting to know each other, to understand one another's vision for the future, as well as you know, the culture and how we operate. And so I know Anna and I were very grateful to the 1Password team and how thoughtful they were about understanding our vision and sharing theirs. And it wasn't until like both visions were really well understood and it was understood that they were very similar that I think both sides felt like this was a great fit. Nice. A lot of times, uh, as we've worked with other companies in the past, we'll gather together a group of developers and fly them out somewhere and stick them in a room and go, go make something awesome happen. See what you can do. Did that happen between 1Password and Passage? It absolutely did happen. We, pretty early on, actually, in getting to know the 1Password team, a small group from the Passage team flew to Toronto for a week. And we got together with some engineers and people on the 1Password team. And we just asked the question in a pretty open-ended way, like, what can we build together? Like, what code can we write such that our companies, our products are better together, where one plus one equals some number much greater than two? And the outcome of that week was certainly exciting for me, I think for Anna and the rest of the Passage team, too. And looking back on it, I think 1Password felt the same way. That's awesome. So, Anna, what's first on the agenda for Passage as a 1Password company now? I don't want to give too much away, but on the Passage front, we're going to continue making it really easy for developers and end users to get started with passkeys. Developers can expect native support for web, iOS, and Android in early 2023. And I'm also really excited about some features that will allow greater flexibility in the way that people integrate Passage into their applications. On the other Passkey initiative side of things, I think it's cool to call out some exciting announcements that have happened recently, like I mentioned earlier, basically allowing you to store Passkeys in your 1Password vault instead of iCloud or Google, giving you this really cool like cross-platform portability. So some cool stuff on the passage front for developers and also a lot of cool, exciting announcements coming in 2023 on passkeys more generally across 1Password. Nice. As a developer myself, I would love it if you could maybe go into a little bit of detail about how, you know, as a website owner, I might want to integrate passage today. Like, how does it work? What are, what's the lift? What's the infrastructure required? Things of that nature. Like, how is this both different and easier than username and password type stuff that exists today? Yeah, I'm happy to touch on that. So the goal for us was to be really easy, but to also to be an API first company. So there's a lot of flexibility in how you do it. But with this type of technology, where it's also really new and difficult for end users, like they're not really familiar with the terms passkey or web often, for the most part. We felt it was also important to provide like a front-end web component that handles a lot of the UX and the different possible login flows and communicates with your users for you. It's two lines of code. You put it in your front-end, 
And it basically handles all the login flows for you. It gives you the boxes, the messaging, all of that stuff. If you would prefer a more flexible option, we have SDKs and APIs that you can do as well. So it's kind of up to you, but we really try to make it as easy as possible. That's very cool. Very cool. What about the backend infrastructure? So Passage can handle all of your authentication-related data, right? So we will store anything you need to manage the login. All you need to add to your backend is we have SDKs that help you verify the tokens that we provide. So once a user has logged in, we have a way to prove that they're that user, and you just have to add a small snippet of code in your backend that verifies that, and then they'll have access to all of your data. Nice. Passage is truly, it, it is a backend component. This isn't a thing where users are going to be exposed to it directly. Like a service that is integrating with Passage appears to their users as that service. Exactly. The goal is to be fully embedded in your website. It can be branded just like your website. You really shouldn't know that you're using Passage. You should just think you have pass keys on whatever website you're using. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. All right. Where can folks go to learn more and stay up to date? Yeah, you can check out our website, passage.id. We also have a Discord server that you can join to ask questions or see announcements from us. There's also a passwordless-focused newsletter that 1Password puts out. You can sign up at future.1password.com. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Cole, Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, this is great. Great to meet y'all. Thanks again for having us. So, folks, cast your minds back to our 99th episode about six months ago. I can't believe it was six months ago. Uh, are you about to announce that we had a giveaway at the 99th episode and these people <laughs> have sat there waiting for six months? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's terrible, but we need we need to award these prizes. I mean, we can't send them abroad. We just we just found out that Royal Mail is broken. <laughs> exactly. They'll just have to get five years of one password for free. Wow. So a pretty good prize, though. I hope you've run that by someone. <laughs> Wait. I ran it by you. You signed this up. Jesus. How long? Five years? Yeah, because it's our 100th episode. No, wait. If it's our 100th episode, it should be 100 years. 100 years of 1Password for free. I did I did make that same joke on the podcast. Did you? Yes. <laughs> All right. I mean, how you can remember what happened six months ago, I've got no clue. Oh, because I have to edit things about three times. Also, Anna listens to the show to fall asleep at night and, and loop. So Exactly. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. Just Unedited. Yeah. Do you listen to unedited versions? Just wants to hear your voice, my voice. Good night, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. -bye. <laughs> That's the last thing Anna hears every night before she goes to sleep. Okay, so last episode, we asked listeners to leave a random but memorable or funny review of the show, and we've picked two winners who will each receive five years of one password for free if Matt will let them. Right. Okay. So the randomness and the memorableness is the fact that it, it happened six months ago, and we're now bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The first one is from Jorgen. Uh, Jorgen says, A major and fair criticism of random but memorable is that it's hardly very random. You have a short intro. The second part is always depressing news in Watchtower Weekly. Then you do the interview. And you have a game or a quiz. And you end with I love you goodbyes. Hardly random, I'd say. It's memorable, though. So five stars in random order from me. Keep up the great work. That's a good nice. review. I like that. That's nice. Good point, though. Valid point. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about this next one is that this person still has a Twitter account about six months on. <laughs> so this one says, roses are red, violets are blue, my future is secure, and that's because of you. You stand in your watchtower, big and strong, I feel invincible, nothing can go wrong. 
Your podcast is great, just like I expected. Like a bird in a nest, my passwords are protected. After every episode, I always feel great, but my bliss fades to sadness and now I must wait. Life is like a pizza with wisdom you should yearn. It's not just food to eat, but also a lesson to learn. Okay, that last one was random, I'll have to admit, but all said and done, this podcast is lit. I mean, that's great. That is very well done. That took some time and effort. That's real great. Is their Twitter account just random poetry from from other things? Or have they just done that from us? I think they've just made that special poem for us, which makes it even more. Oh my goodness. Their Twitter account is literally just that poem. Oh, wow. Let's hope it's not an AI. (laughs) This was before AI was a thing. It's okay. So I'm assuming that we'll be in contact with those winners and we'll we'll send them some stuff. For sure. I have a a live update from Mastodon, by the way. I had posted that we were going to be, that we're currently recording the 100th episode and I got people saying, I was missing you folks and... uh, that's so great. One of my favorite podcasts. I was beginning to think you had abandoned the whole thing. So Aww. we have people who've been waiting. We're here. I, We're alive. It's okay. We're still here. Excellent. So, guys, are you ready, finally, for rapid-fire security questions, if you can remember how this game works? I'm ready. We've played this before. We have. This was your brainchild, Matt. Huh. Don't remember this at all. (laughs) So if you've forgotten how the game works, let me explain it to you. It's the game where we rapidly fire security questions at each other to achieve some hopefully random but memorable wrong answers. And we get 60 seconds on the clock. And I have the security questions this week. So who wants to go first? Rue does. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. So... Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Well, name a new type of bodily sensation. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, uh, vibrancy. It's like you can feel vibrations. What is the national anthem of France? The national anthem of France is uh, God Save the Croissant. What was the make, color, and name of your first car? Oh, it was uh, Puce, and it was a um, Ford Septiva. Okay. And what was the name of your imaginary childhood best friend? My imaginary childhood best friend was Fred, and he actually lived in the walls of my house. Excellent. What's a good way to earn money? Uh, Patreon.com slash random but memorable. And in what city were you born? I was born in uh, Belgium. Name the next film in the Marvel franchise. The next film in the Mar- Marvel franchise is uh, is um, is uh, oh, shit. beep. Um, no <laughs> <Hell> time. <laughs> uh, oh. I, I have a bunch of Marvel characters on my desk. Like I have like the Iron Man's Hulkbuster armor, and I've got Thor here and Hulk. <laughs> and so I'm just like staring at real Marvel characters and I've been watching Modoc on Hulu. So like I couldn't think of anything funny. Uh, Groot the termite problem. <laughs> Groot the termite problem. I like it. Okay, Matt, are you ready for your round? I, I think I'm ready. Okay. What's your least favorite pizza topping? Geese. What instructions do you give delivery drivers to get to find your house? Uh, um... Left at the volcano. <laughs> What's your favourite flavour of ice cream? Uh, skin. Oh, oh no! Oh. Name a Britney Spears song. Uh, changing a light bulb. 
<laughs> what brand new emoji did Apple just announce? I don't know if you can tell my, my brain is a little bit off today. Oh dear. I'm still recovering from skin. <laughs> you can have to ask that one again. <laughs> what brand new emoji did Apple just announce? Um, a nose ring. What's the name of Pixar's new animation film and what's it about? Uh, pollution fun. It's about the climate change. <laughs> what do you like to listen to to help you fall asleep? Uh, bones. <laughs> Good God. Oh, I'm still recovering from that ice cream flavour. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. <laughs> Skin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Rue got like five minutes no, compared to me. It was a minute. I timed you both. No, I didn't. It went super fast. I answered really quickly. Well, you both drew. You both got seven questions, but Matt, I think you win just for pure obscenity <laughs> and inventiveness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was much better. All right. Well, Matt, go eat some skin flavored ice cream. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and listening to bones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. And Rue's going to sing the national anthem of France. God save the croissant. God save the croissant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was good. Well, I, like I feel like we've left this on a good random note. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Love you, bye. Love you both. Love you both. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs>